Well, welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about pre-attack indicators. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearms instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. You receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. The best resource for any firearm instructor and their students is also free. Available for both Apple and Android devices. Search your app store for Concealed Carry Gun Tools today and download this free app. Find maps, gun businesses near you, legal summaries, articles, videos, training logs in this podcast. Don't miss a beat on the industry. Download the app today. Today, we are joined by Tim Tucker. Welcome, Tim. How are things going today? Wonderful. How are they going for you, Rob? It's great. It's uh, the fall, and it's uh, just really neat because uh, it seems like every evening we've got a great sunset and the leaves and uh, just uh, the color out there is just uh, magnificent, I think, this time of year. So really, really kind of a neat time. Yeah, it's been it's been gorgeous. I, I have a bike, so it's nice to be able to actually get on on the uh, on the big tour bike and go for a ride and check out the beautiful scenery that we have here. Mm-hmm, definitely. One thing I gotta say, you know, Midwest that we've got great scenery in the fall, great scenery. Mm, absolutely. Hey Tim, I know uh, we've known each other for uh, many years now, but probably some of our listeners don't know who Tim Tucker is. Can you give us a little bit of your background and uh, what makes you such an expert on pre-attack indicators <laughs> that we're going to talk about today? I don't know if I'm an expert. I, I, I always look at myself as a, a student for life. Um, so uh, I've been in martial arts since uh, 1993, and I was talking to some friends of mine. It's been quite some time back, and they said, you know what? You would actually be a really good law enforcement officer. And I uh, had several other different ones, and uh, our local sheriff at the time um, Took me, took me on, and so I was with the sheriff's office here at the local area that I'm at for nine years and was on the SRT, the uh, special response team, for seven. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in law enforcement. I'm out now in the, in the private sector doing uh, training opportunities. But uh, while I was there, I had the opportunity to be able to work uh, with our um, officers for defensive tactics, taser instructor, and then went on to do the firearms thing. And while I was on the SRT team, the great thing about our sheriff uh, at the time, he would bring in renowned trainers, experts like Louis Arbuck and Pat Rogers and various gun sight instructors. So I was very fortunate to be able to have that opportunity to train um, in the farms discipline. And that, then, that, is, that is really great for a, a chief to go along and take, absolutely. Uh, take the training seriously to get give his uh, – you know, officers, that kind of tra- uh, training. That's not great. only not only that, but he, he opened it up also to civilians because he realized that obviously civilians, they 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 te- they really are the true first responders because you're 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 the first one that's going to have to act on it. And which is what we're going to talk about today. And then he brought in a gentleman named, named Steve Tarani. And so some of the listeners have probably uh, have heard of Steve before. He has a book out called Prefence. Um, which I'll actually be referring to. It's the 90% advantage. And then he has a book that he, he published not too long ago. It's all, it's called your most powerful weapon. How to use your mind to stay safe. 
And so that's really kind of what we're talking about. And I'm hoping actually to be able to get Steve on your podcast so you guys can chat as well. That would, that would be really, further. really great. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been to a couple of seminars in the past, the NRA annual meetings, and it would be great to uh, have him on the show also. So I yeah. will work with you on uh, arranging that sometime in the future. Yeah. So he's he's one of my my teachers and my mentors, and I believe that we all need to have a, a good mentor a good teacher that we can bounce things off of and learn from. He is that for me. So that's where some of the things that I'll be discussing today, I've picked up from him. There's also some other great instructors that are out there like Gavin DeBecker and so on that talk about situational awareness and conflict de-escalation and the different types of techniques. And I'll even be referring to George Thompson, who um, he passed away some years ago, but he was the one that coined the phrase verbal judo. And a, a great instructor, and, and obviously it, the majority of police officers are taught verbal judo. It's a de-escalation techniques, and, and uh, many times they rely on it to, to, save, to save the life or, or to, again, de-escalate a conflict. Mm-hmm. And so we'll talk a little bit about that as well, and, and maybe another, another time I can come back on and we can talk more about verbal judo um, because it's a, it's a great thing. And, and if your readers aren't or your listeners aren't familiar with it, um, again, the book, I'll just mention it again, Verbal Judo. It's the general art of persuasion from uh, George Thompson. <clears throat> so it's, it would be a great read uh, for him. I'll, I'll include that in the show notes, as always, yeah. so that people can uh, not have to worry about writing it down as they're driving. Oh, Tim, getting back to our topic on hand, uh, when it comes to the pre-attacked indicators, um, what, where should people's mindset be and everything when it when it comes to that because obviously some people kind of have that sixth sense and other people are completely oblivious to what's going on around them well we we will talk a, a little bit about situational awareness and uh, conflict de-escalation but l- let's let's first talk about the attack itself we know mm-hmm. for an, uh, an attack in order to have one the anatomy of an attack is first you have to have a bad guy you have to have a target and you have to have the process if we eliminate any one of those right there, then the attack doesn't occur. And so, again, just, you know, bouncing some of the things that Steve talks about in his book, Prefense or Your Most Powerful Weapon, is that you have a 90 percent advantage of taking control of that whole threat just right there with with with, with those things before it moves into something that has to um, where you actually have to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing a threat, um, we start using our color codes. And if you're not familiar with that, this is something that Lieutenant Colonel uh, Jeff Cooper, founder of Gunsight Academy, put out there. And those color codes will start off with, again, it's using your personal radar. First one is, is condition white. Condition white is when we are at home behind our locked, dead bolted doors with our personal security, home defense, firearm uh, by our bedside, our security systems on, our Dog is ready for any intruder to bounce in there. And, of course, the outside of our home is well lit with security lights or cameras. Then we can stay at home and we can close our eyes and go to sleep because, again, that's condition white. But as soon as we wake up in the morning, we head out the door. We need to be in condition yellow. Condition yellow means that we are observing, constantly scanning. Again, it's not that we're paranoid. It's that Mm -hmm. we're we're going to be prepared. We're going to be prepared for when I get into my car and I take off. Uh, just in case somebody decides to come over in my lane, obviously I'm using my peripheral vision to be able to catch that. So mm-hmm. I'm paying yeah, it's attention. A defensive I, driving, you know, is what we call it when you're in the car. 
That's exactly right. So it, not necessarily, you know, for some you'll see people doing uh, their makeup or you'll see people <laughs> on their phones or on their laptops. There is no situational awareness there. Um, so that's that's what we're driving. You can have the same thing while you're at work, while you're at school, or just while you're out walking, whether you're at the mall, at the shopping center. It's You're constantly scanning. And so while you're in condition yellow, things that you typically are looking for is things that might be above the baseline, things that are there that shouldn't be there. Um, using an analogy like Starbucks, for instance, we know that if we walk up to a Starbucks, it's glass all the way around it. So as soon as we pull in, we can see cars that are there. So they're supposed to be there. And then we see people that maybe chit-chatting, having a cup of coffee or working on their laptop or talking on their phones as we're entering in the door. And then obviously there's going to be a barista behind the counter mm-hmm. uh, serving our coffee. So that, that's the normal baseline. We expect to see those things. Things that would be above a baseline would be, again, maybe it's a guy in a trench coat sitting there, no coffee, no nothing. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing. It just basically means that if he's the only one there, no cup of coffee, and it's 90 degrees outside, that's something that is there that sh- typically you would not normally see. So a lot of us would say, you know, you had that gut feeling that something's just not right with that person. And so it's just your whether you're watching them out of the corner of your eye, using your peripheral vision, making sure obviously you're not turning your back. Just it's one of those things. Um, and then below the baseline are things that are typically there that aren't there. So if you were to pull in and maybe there's just one or two cars there at nine o'clock in the morning, which typically a Starbucks would be packed and you walk in the door and and you'd see people with hands on the table, not moving, not talking, not drinking their coffee, and there's no barista behind the counter. That clearly indicates that, uh, again, there are things that should have been going on that aren't. And so that's what we're talking about is having some kind of a general awareness that when you're in a place, whether vehicle, work, or uh, at the mall or wherever you're at, is to be scanning for things that are typically there or things that are not there so that way it heightens up your radar, so to speak. And if that does happen and you do see something, then that will put you in condition orange. Condition orange basically means that I'm paying attention. I'm starting to develop a plan or I already have a plan. I've thought about if there was a, if there was somebody that came in with a, a firearm, I've already got a plan what I would do if I'm, if I'm in Walmart or if I'm in a Kroger, uh, which, you know, grocery store or a, a shopping mall, you already know where the exits are at and not necessarily the front door exit because a lot of times that could be a fatal funnel. Maybe you're looking mm-hmm. for the side exits, okay, because the majority of people, once something starts occurring, they're all heading out towards the front door, which, again, there could be a secondary person there. There could be something there that you may not want to be in, so you're looking for alternate routes. Yeah, fire so, exits are good to look for. Absolutely. Very well lit and tell you yeah. which direction to go. So that's that's condition orange is when you see those things, whether it's above or below the baseline, it's kind of getting your attention and you start to develop that plan. And then condition red is when something actually occurs, which we just mentioned, maybe there is a shooter that's coming out um, and you actually you have to take action or maybe uh, someone has confronted you. You have to take action. So that's condition red. And uh, those are the things that, again, you're trying to develop a plan. So it's, a, it's that mindset of. Having that personal radar up, situational awareness, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, that's that's what we're looking for. And so, um, 
we can talk about uh, the mindset. Again, it's having that situational awareness and making sure that you realize that it's your responsibility. Because mm-hmm. there's folks that are out there, Rob, that truly believe that uh, somebody else will take care of it or that um, firemen or police or EMTs, they'll take care of it. I don't need to step in. Yeah. Well, if one thing I always point out when I'm teaching my classes are our first responders do a great job. You know, when they when you think about what they've got to deal with and getting to the locations. But you also have to go along and factor in the response time. How long does it take for somebody to dial 911? How long does it take them to communicate with that dispatcher about what the problem is? They send the right people. And then, you know, the clock starts and, you know, the police can arrive to your location two or three minutes. That is wonderful. But you're probably talking five plus minutes from when the situation started. If you're in a more rural area, it could be 10 to 15 minutes. And that could be great response time. But you still have to tack that additional time onto the front end of it before they even get dispatched um, to the location. We've seen it time and time again in uh, active shooters and uh, situations like that. And especially just recently with all the uh, political um, uh, demonstrations and such going on, we've seen where the hands of the police have been tied. Uh, at times, and even the fire uh, departments, and that's where if you're not your fir- own first responders, you can really be, you know, at somebody's mercy to uh, go along and help you, or you know, not to continue the attack beyond you know where they should. That's right. So again, just having that mindset that it is my responsibility, and this has been probably six months ago going into a Walmart. I walked by the pharmacy and there was a, she was probably in her uh, mid mid seventies female laying on the floor. And there's just a crowd of people looking at her. And Mm -hmm. obviously we know that the folks that are behind that counter uh, that the pharmacists should have had, or probably did have some first aid training, the, the, the problem is, is that a lot of folks, when something does occur, they truly just have this outlook like it, this can't be real. This cannot be happening. Deer in the headlights, that's called. It's deer in the headlights. That's exactly <laughs> right. So if you don't train for those type of events to occur, then and when they do occur, then you might end up freezing. And we, you know, many of us understand the, the fight, flight or freeze response. And that's what a lot of them do is they'll freeze. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, that's where, as trainers, one of the reasons why we bring you this kind of uh, information is to educate you and hopefully get you to come to uh, or take some additional training to understand this a little bit more in a deeper sense. We can't do it do it all justice in 30 minutes, but you know, you kind of get an idea that if you're going to be talking to your students about violent confrontations and what they need to know, um, you need to have a well-rounded background uh, for it. So what 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 else when we're getting talking about mindset and everything? Well, uh, let's comes to unpack. Let's jump into this a little bit more. Yeah. So getting back on topic. So if we look at this from a predator's point of view, they're looking for obviously soft target indicators. Uh, so that kind of clues that predator that you know you, you're a potential target. So you as a potential target, you can influence the decision by eliminating those soft target indicators which according to that National Defense Research Institute, and I'm going to summarize a 300-page report, if anybody's interested, I think, uh, Rob, you're going to put that in the notes? I'll make sure it's in the show notes, yes. Okay, so I'm summarizing just with three points here on a 300-page report, but you can influence uh, that anatomy of the attack, because, again, we said that there has to be an attacker, there has to be a target, there has to be a process. 
But what they're looking for is someone that appears weak, appears alone, or appears unaware. And so if we end up taking any one of those things out, and obviously appearing weak, uh, it, it could be that if, if you're, you're, the shoulders are slumped over, your eyes are looking down, you don't look confident. So what we're talking about is pulling those shoulders back, chin up, and when you're walking, wherever it is that you're going, walking with a purpose, and that you're constantly scanning. So again, when you're using your radar, you're in condition yellow, and you're scanning. And bad guys, obviously, if they are looking for a soft target, and you make eye contact, that shoulder's up, and if you're a female, if you have your hand in your purse, which to them could mean, again, you're hardening yourself as a target because you've identified them, your shoulders pull back, you look like you might be a fighter, they don't want to sustain an injury, plus you might also have a, your hand on a firearm, could it be on a phone, could be on pep, whatever, pepper spray, something, but you look more like a hard target. Same thing for men as well. And then appearing alone, obviously it's nice to be able to have somebody that's traveling with you or being in a pack of folks. Um, and then appearing unaware. This is when if you're just checking out your cell phone and you're walking, you're completely oblivious and not using your situational awareness whatsoever. Where your hands are so full that uh, obviously somebody can come up on top of you and your hands are not free. So just those are some of the things that we could do to affect um, affect that. And then also we can deter um, the opportunity from bad guys. So we can, deterring would be, again, looking confident, appearing aware, possibly trained or armed. And if we're talking about our home, it'd be something that maybe is well lit. We have our security system signs. We have deadbolts. We forgot the dog. And then also we can diffuse the situation. So, again, if we have somebody that's coming in our space, we can start using that verbal judo, which we talked about uh, mm-hmm. from George Thompson. And he has he has five universal truths um, of human interaction. And that is people feel the need. People want to know that they're respected. So, again, if you let's say that you did everything right, you use your situational awareness, but somebody came up on you and there's a verbal exchange. And we know that the majority of conflicts start from a verbal exchange. So if you're, number one, being nice and being respectful, and then obviously people would rather be asked than told. And people have desire to know why. You know, sometimes when we tell our kids, hey, I want you to do this. And they say, well, why? Well, it's because we've been training them the entire time to be you know, independent and go out on their own. Well, it's just like any one of us adults. When something occurs, when somebody asks us to do something, we want to know why. Uh, And so it's just allowing them to understand why. And then people prefer to have options over threats. Mm -hmm. And then people want to have the opportunity to have a second chance. And so it's just being respectful to those, to those folks, even though it may be something that you, that you're all riled up about or you're getting angry. Maybe they've, they've said something to you or maybe they, there was something that was some kind of a, a verbal exchange. It's just keeping our temper in check and realizing that the situation, we could turn it over by just being kind, being nice, or, or saying what we need to say to be able to back out of the situation. Mm-hmm. And some, some agencies, when we, we would talk about verbal judo, they actually have an acronym that's called LEAPS, and that's listen, empathize, ask questions, paraphrase and summarize and this not only works with bad guys but it also can work with your kids it can work with your spouse Mm -hmm. and um you know so it's it's easy to some folks will say it's easy to listen but 
you really need to be a really good listener. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, Tim. Yeah. You know, now tell me how you're feeling about this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something that we need to you know be aware of that, you know, going along and uh, reacting to the violence is not necessarily the best thing to do in the world because, you know, stealing this from uh, Andrew Bronco had been on the podcast before anytime that we uh, end up having to get engaged into a violent confrontation, we have a greater than zero chance of getting hurt or, or killed um, during that. And that shouldn't be our, our um, uh, goal for it. We should be able to figure out through verbal judo, through the pre-attack indicators to avoid the situation, talk ourselves out of it, all those types of things, because that guarantees us that we can make it home to our family. And the reason why we're, you know, living, living our lives and everything, if we, if we missed it and, uh, I think uh, I forget who said this, but if we end up going to guns, you know, we failed as, yeah. uh, you know, going along and de-escalating the si situation because at that point, and uh, I'll steal this from uh, one of our guests too, um, Brian Eastridge, is, you know, we we're either going to go along and uh, get sued, get shot or go to jail. And uh, in the worst case, we'll get all three of those. And that's one of those things that people really need to understand when, when we're talking about firearms and such as uh, um, we can get sued, you know, for almost anything we can, if we decide to go, go with it, we can get injured ourselves and we can also go to jail for even trying to do the, the best things. If it's not legal, um, guess what? We're going to end up going to jail. And those are things that really have to weigh on our consciences before we get ourselves in the middle of a confrontation. That's right. You know, that, that actual quote, if you have to go to guns, you've failed. That's, mm -hmm. that's from Steve Tarani. Okay. And yeah, Steve Tarani, he basically, how he puts this is that each one of us, uh, whether your husband, wife, brother, son, daughter, mom, dad, we're all in executive protection work. We're, we're there protecting each other, whether, whether it's, we're protecting our family, vice versa. And those things all start not just necessarily with hands-on or not necessarily with firearms. It could also start again with just communication. And so it's, it's training, it's being prepared. Uh, I started my journey in self-defense for a personal reason back in 93. And so it's always been hands-on with martial arts. I have a martial arts studio and uh, I still run it and, and we do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, karate and so forth and do a lot with knives. And then, of course, I had the opportunity to go to the sheriff's, sheriff's office and, and then had the firearms discipline piece. And then I started learning, well, geez, there's more than there's more than that. If you're just training in one discipline, whether it's hands on or whether it's firearms, then you're missing the boat because there's so much more to train. Um, which, again, de the de-escalation is the number one, one of the number one things to work on, because the, the majority of the time, almost all incidents usually start off with a verbal confrontation. And so if we start learning to be able to hear, to communicate with each other, again, mm -hmm. whether it's spouse, somebody, a coworker at work or just a, a bad guy, and we can start working on that, that, that right there. And then also working on your situational awareness. That is, that, that is something that you train, you know, whether you make it a game with your kids, which that's what I did with my kids. I made it a game. Um, and then training again, being with your spouse. If you have a spouse, Train with your spouse. You both start working on your situational awareness. You both start working on plans. You know, those of you that are out there listening right now, if, if you are a, a firearms carrier, you know, God bless you. Continue to train hard on that. But if you are carrying a firearm, you should also realize that if I'm carrying this to be able to protect myself, then the odds are 
that you could end up getting shot or somebody that you love could end up getting shot or you mm-hmm. pulled it out because somebody was coming at you with a knife, whatever. You need to also start working on training with um, medical. So start making sure you understand how to take care of major trauma, carry a kit with you in your vehicle, know how to use your kit, know how to use uh, a tourniquet, one of the most important uh, devices that you should carry. Mm-hmm. So th- those are the things is, is train and have the willingness to do what it takes to solve the problem, to be ready to make your decision based on the conditions at hand and applying your situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, we've had uh, people on talking about the need for tourniquets and medical kits, uh, not only on range as instructors, but also personally when you're out carrying around, because in a lot of cases, um, hospitals can go along and fix all kinds of stuff. But you got to keep the blood inside and got to keep breathing in order for you to get the hospital to a point that they can actually work on you. Right. That, that is, uh, yeah, this is really some good, interesting uh, stuff there, Tim. I'm really, uh, really glad to have you on. And also, I think uh, it'd be a great, great to have uh, Steve come on to talk about verbal judo and give uh, all the listeners a little bit of taste of, uh, you know, what they should be looking for and how they can uh, kind of talk their ways way out out of uh, situations because uh, I don't think any, any of us should want to get into a situation like that and having a as broad of uh, understanding and tool set to draw upon in order to avoid it I think is uh, would be really 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 good skill for us to have in the past on to our students yeah so again Steve basically would expound on all the things that I touched about with situational awareness and conflict de-escalation uh, the verbal judo is kind of one of George Thompson's kind of thing that he coined. But Steve will definitely talk uh, about some of that as well. And remember, we're sitting here talking about us training as well. Remember that bad guy. They're still out there as a predator looking again for soft target indicators. And whether we're fortifying our house, making it a hard target, or we're hardening ourselves as a target, those are things that we have to look for. So just you know, to wrap up, I guess, on the topic is that those bad guys are looking for soft targets. Yep. And you have to make sure that you have that within your mindset to realize every day that you walk out that door that you want to harden yourself and train. So um, hopefully, hopefully, Rob, I've, uh, I've kind of been stayed on topic. But uh, if there's anything else that anybody would like to know, feel free to contact me. Uh, you can go to gaintacticaladvantage.com. That's the website. Uh, my contact information is on there and also some additional classes. But uh, I just want to, again, thank you for for having me on. Well, Tim, we're not going to let you off until you answer the last question. What kind of books are you reading these days? Because well, we've been asking all our guests this uh, year um, after uh, Dave Spalding's uh, great episode in January about it. And uh, just to give our listeners a little bit of an idea of uh, stuff they could look into in the books to, uh, you know, improve themselves personally. Well, um, I've actually been uh, working with a, a, a life coach going over certain things that deal with uh, the mental aspect. Um, so, again, I... Martial arts training has been been wonderful, and the firearms training has been wonderful. But I'm taking a deeper look within within myself, and there, there's a reason for that. And that is, students that I've trained in the past, whether with with uh, empty hand or with with firearms, something that I've realized is that everybody has a reason why they're training, and a lot of it has to deal with maybe something that's happened to them, some kind of a trauma. Mm-hmm. And the concern is is that if something like that was to happen. 
and you had to defend yourself and the threat was stopped, would you stop when the threat is stopped or would you continue going and continuing to um, pound that person or, or, or to go beyond what technically would be, again, stopping that threat to where you become the violator? And exactly. so, you know, if you've not trained, if you're not trained for those kind of incidents to occur, you don't know how they did, how, how you would react. And many folks are, are super surprised to see, my gosh, I had such anger. I wanted, uh, I wanted to like kill that guy. Well, it's because you end up getting this chemical cocktail that your brain produces. And the next thing you know, you have this rage that comes out. And so, um, what I've been doing, Rob, is I'm actually two years ago started uh, going back to school for a psychology degree. Because I want to know more, not only about myself, but be able to help students out to understand themselves and how they might would respond. So that's that's what I've been doing. But uh, again, the books that I would recommend for your uh, listeners would be Prefence, The 90% Advantage from Steve Tarani, and then also George Thompson's book, uh, Verbal Judo, The Gentle Art of Persuasion. And um, that's that's what I've been doing. Okay, well, that's great. Well, we wish you definitely the best on your uh, psychology degree. Uh, as uh, people have seen, um, we just had uh, Dr. Bill Lewinsky from Force Science Institute on talking about it. And uh, if they haven't heard it yet, but uh, we're, we also have uh, Dr. Alexis Artwell um, on uh, also the podcast. And all this is to help everybody get a little bit more insight and on the mental side of things, because as you said, it's the mind is a uh, very complex machine. And we as uh, instructors need to know how to how to properly interface with it so we can teach our students, but then also to educate our students the best so that they know how to work their minds. And, you know, as much as we exercise our fingers for a nice smooth trigger press, we also want to make sure that mind is sharp. So when we, they do get into a situation, they don't overdo it and they don't underdo it because in a violent confrontation, you don't want to underdo it and you definitely don't want to overdo it. Um, both leads to some very bad consequences. So, That's right. That's you know. right. But Tim, we really thank you for being on the podcast uh, this week. Um, uh, well, Rob, very, I really want to. I, I really want to say again, I appreciate what you're doing, folks. Obviously, if they've ever had a podcast that they've run, or they've been listening to one for an extended period of time, they start to realize how much work has to go into a podcast. And so, I just want to give you kudos uh, for actually doing this for folks like me that love to obviously listen and, and hear these perspectives from other guests. So again, I just want to say thank you uh, for, for doing this. Well, thanks Tim. And it's a uh, labor of love um, in a lot of cases because uh, it's uh, not always easy, but at the same time uh, when I meet the listeners out in public at conventions and different things like that, and I hear how much they've gotten out of it or the new instructor that's listened to it, decided to, you know, finally take the jump and uh, get into training to help uh, other citizens uh, makes it all worthwhile. So mm. it's, uh, it's good. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We got a few requests. If you have any ideas, questions, or feedback, um, always available at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association, FTAProtect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage, both for you and your students on the range. Uh, accidents do happen, and you want to have that coverage to protect you and the students. Um, remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off on your policy at checkout. Rate our podcast on iTunes or Google Play and share the episodes on Facebook and encourage others to listen and subscribe. 
I know I've been talking to uh, several people that didn't know about our podcast uh, recently, and uh, they were very excited about the topics. So if you know other instructors out there, you're in class with them or anything else like that, mention it to them because uh, we would appreciate it, and I'm sure they would too because uh, things like um, going along and having pre-attacked indicators, uh, they might know about them or they might not, but they, but if you don't tell them about it, you'll never know. And remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Be situational aware, everybody, and stay safe out there. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.